As mentioned, the scripture reading this morning does come from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. If you want to leave your Bible open there to Deuteronomy chapter 6, we are going to outline this text this morning, and I will meet you there in just a moment. Let me say a couple of things to begin. Number one, happy anniversary. It was one year ago today that I was able to stand on the stage for the first time and deliver God's word to you. You can always remember it because, as I understand, uh, this time of year, uh, well, tomorrow especially, is a miserable day. And you could say, oh, yes, that's right. We also hired the preacher. You know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, you know, you can look at it one of two ways. But happy anniversary. We're glad to be here. And we're hoping to gain, by the Lord's will, uh, about 40 more before you're, uh, before you're tired of us. Um, second thing is uh, to echo Roy's uh, welcome this morning. We are glad for our visitors to be here. If you are a result of, um, excuse me, if you're here because of us uh, canvassing your neighborhood uh, last weekend, we're especially glad that you're here. What Roy failed to mention is that the luncheon today is barbecue. I don't know if he was trying to save some more for himself or not, but uh, there's some delicious smells that are emanating from the room next door, and we'll uh, be able to enjoy that in just a few minutes. But I uh, hope that you'll stay this morning and uh, let us get a chance to get to know you. And the third thing is is that I understand next weekend, um, particularly Sunday, is an especially important um, uh, Sunday for a lot of religious people or maybe even non-religious people. Here's the thing. A lot of people that might not normally go to church are going to be considering going to church next Sunday to celebrate what you know, the world calls Easter. And if that's, excuse me, if that's the case that they are going to be going somewhere, why not invite them to come here with you? If they know you as a Christian and they know the character and conduct of your life, why not say, hey, we're going to be going to church here at the Graver Road Congregation. We're going to be worshiping together. Bible classes at nine, worships at 10, and then we have another worship service at six. Why don't you come and be a part of it with us? We'd love to have you as our guest. There's no barbecue lunch, but maybe y'all can go out to eat uh, next Sunday or invite them over to your house after it's over. It's a great opportunity to invite people to come with you. We're talking this morning about uh, shepherds of the home and being good shepherds of the home. Our theme for the year, if you remember, is I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd. It's said that when John Foster Dulles was Secretary of State, that he called uh, General Douglas MacArthur because he needed some piece of information urgently. And as he called uh, MacArthur's home address, uh, his wife got the, picked up the phone and mistaking him for an aide, she said, MacArthur isn't here. MacArthur is where MacArthur always is. He's down at that office. And she hung up on the Secretary of State, John Foster Dulles. Well, within a few minutes, uh, Douglas MacArthur got a call down to his office from, uh, from Dulles. And Dulles said, go home at once, boy. Your home front is crumbling. <laughs> I wonder how many times it could be said or how many homes it could be said that our home front is crumbling. In a day where fussing, fighting, bitter feuds, anxiety, 
Those things are common within the home place. I wonder how many times it could be said that God would look down upon us in our homes and say our home front is crumbling. You know, God in his word didn't leave us as babes in the woods without instruction about how the home is to be. When you look at passages like Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 and the commandment to fathers to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that's something that's geared to God saying you be a good shepherd of your home. When you read a passage like Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way that he should go. When, when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's God saying, I want you to be a good shepherd of your home. When you look at what Moses has to say here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, as Moses delivers this, his farewell address in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he's saying, I want you to be a good shepherd of the home. And what he's understanding, what he's pointing to, especially his parents and saying, parents, you have the responsibility to shepherd your home in the way God wants it to be and the way that God wants it structured and the way the things that you emphasize, the way that you you organize your activities. God needs to be at the center of everything that you do in your home. Because God doesn't want your home front to crumble. God doesn't want the home front to crumble. But brothers and sisters, God didn't want the nation of Israel at that time to crumble. As you've maybe heard the old saying, as so goes the home, so goes the nation. Do you realize that all of the world's major empires, Rome, Greece, all of those famous world empires at their zenith, they had strong morals with regard to the home and what it was that the parents were to be taught. But whenever it was that those nations began to be in poor decline, it began with the de- deconstruction of the home. It began with the home crumbling on that front and then the nation beginning crumble. And I believe we can see the result of that in our own nation, can't we? And how it is that, what is it, the statistics? One out of every two children born in this country will be born out of wedlock. When you understand that that the majority of children that may be born today may grow up in a single parent household, and they may never know who their father is, or they may never have a full understanding of what it is to to have a functioning home the way God would have it. Brothers and sisters, we're blessed. Brothers and sisters, we're blessed. Young people, if you have a home with a mom and a dad who are trying to do what's right and trying to shepherd the home, you are in the minority. If you grew up in a home like that, you are in the minority. But as God talks to his people here, as he mentions these things uh, to, through Moses and Moses' farewell address and the things that they're supposed to emphasize as the home, I want you to notice with me this morning seven characteristics, seven different things that God wants from this chapter about his nation to emphasize in order for moms and dads, parents, to be good shepherds of the home. What kind of le- legacy are you leaving to those who love, you love the most? We like to talk about legacy. What, what am I going to be remembered for once I'm gone? It ought to be that our children are trained up in godliness. Or as John said, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. What kind of legacy does God want us to leave for parents as shepherds of the home? Number one, faithful shepherds will, number one, make God's word the foundation of their homes. Make God's word the foundation of the home. Read with me, please, verses one through three here in this chapter of Deuteronomy six. This is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess, 
that you may fear the Lord your God and to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your sons and your grandsons, all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Did you catch all the command words? Did you catch all the words that have reference to God's word here in this? I see the word commanded. I see the word observe. I see the word testimonies and statutes and laws and commands. Did you know in 32 chapters of Deuteronomy, the emphasis is placed upon the word of God some 199 times? Verses centered upon what God has said and having a reverence and having a regard and a healthy respect for what God has said. And as he talks about this in terms of the home, this ought to be as forefront right in the middle of everything that we do as parents is building our homes upon the foundation of his word. We sing with our children, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Rains came tumbling down and that house stood firm. Famous verses from Matthew chapter 7. But then we talk about the foolish man building his house on the sand and how it was that his house went splatter, his house went smashed. Why did it go smash? Because here's somebody that heard the words of Jesus and didn't do according to those words. I wonder how many people today hear the word of God, hear the word of Jesus, and don't do with regard to the home and with the children. A lot of people build their houses on a lot of different things. Some people build their house on reputation in the community. Oh, this is who we are. We're bakers. We're known as an upstanding, respectable people within the community. And we need to keep that reputation going. Otherwise, people are going to start looking down on us. Some people build their reputation or build their houses on the ability to earn money. And some people are really good at earning money. Some people can bring in money hand over fist and, and feel like the goal of their family is just to acquire more. And, and, well, we've got to get more money so we can send these kids to college and leave a, a great money, monetary inheritance for our children. And they do that sometimes at the expense of children. A lot of people build their homes on recreation or entertainment. You look at people that will build their house on sporting activities or build their house on whatever's latest and current as far as the, uh, uh, as far as the, the athletic world goes. Missing a, a worship service to go to a ball game or something like that. A lot of people build their homes on their hobbies or a lot of people build their home on the children making sure our children have everything that we didn't have growing up, making sure that our children are involved with every single thing that, uh, that, uh, that their school has to offer. Well, what happens when a disaster strikes that job or strikes that house or strikes that reputation? What happens to that house? Is God's word the foundation for what we're doing? When we look into God's word and see what God wants the home to be, we can absolutely see that he says, I am the foundation. We cannot lay another foundation, expect that our home is going to yield the things that God wants it to yield. We've got to build upon the solid foundation. Note this number two. What does Moses say about parents being faithful shepherds and helping the children? He says that you need to make the home a place of unity. Make the home a place of unity. What is that unity based upon? Look back to point number one. It is based upon us wanting to center God at everything that we do. What does he say here in the famous verses from verses four to six? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. 
And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Again, note the emphasis upon the word. There are a couple things that go into this. Number one, hearing. Hear, O Israel. Listen up. Don't miss this. Pay close attention to what you're talking about and what's being spoken here. Open up your ears. I'm reminded of James 1.22. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's something else. There's a fear in here. There's a reverence and humility, open hearts. Verse three, we've already talked about being careful to observe these things. But here's somebody that says, I want you to listen to this. Be careful to obey it. You pay close attention. But then there's also a word love. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. It's interesting to me that Jesus, when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, was he quoted Deuteronomy chapter six here in verse four. But he also talked about the second great commandment, and he said it's the second commandment like the first. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, being like God is not just about loving God with all your heart and soul and strength, but letting that translate and go flow out of your life and make a difference in the lives of others just the way Jesus did. Being like God means in our home, we're going to be people that are forgiving. We're going to be people that are merciful. We're going to be people who help others recover from mistakes. With homes of unity and purpose and mind and love, we model our home after the fact that God is one. Therefore, we as a home ought to be one based upon the word of God. Is my house a house of unity? Sometimes it is. Kids know how to exploit the lack of unity in the home. You ever notice that? Kids can pick up uh, uh, chinks in the armor, so to speak, And if they know that dad is going to be harder than mom is with regard to a particular issue, then they can go and they can ask dad and then say, dad, can I go over to this friend's house? Dad says, no. And then they can go over to mom and say, mom, can I go over to this friend's house? Okay, honey, that's fine. And mom and dad not communicating and mom and dad not being on the same page with regard to the things that they do. Well, whenever the kid goes over to the house and she comes back and dad says, why did you do that? I told you not to. Well, mom said it was okay. And dad just lets that fester, lets that grow bitter. What about religiously speaking? Do people know, does our family know where we're going to be whenever it is that the doors are open? We use worship attendance because it's an easy example. It's something that all of us are called to do. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. It's something that we have a responsibility to do is to come in together and stir up one another to love and good works. But when there's a question about where we're going to be on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, when it comes to a question about where we're going to be whenever it is that the church is having an activity, well, dad may be all for it, but if mama says no, who's going to win? When you've got one shepherd that's trying to lead the flock this way and another shepherd that's trying to lead the flock this way, that's not a home of unity. You ever thought about a mission statement for your family? You ever thought about a mission statement for your home? Regardless of the fact if you're a single parent, regardless of the fact if it is that uh, you've only got one child, what is our home all about? What's going to be the core value to say this is what determines a successful home? This is what determines where it is that we're going to be. Having a statement like that to say our family is going to do what honors and pleases God more than anything else. And dad's on board and mom's on board 
and kids understand that if dad and mom are unified in this purpose, that they're going to go where dad and mom say because they've set the spiritual direction for that home. Our homes are unified based upon what God wants the home to be. Note this point number three. Faithful shepherds will train their children to know and revere God. They will train children to know and to revere God. I want you to look at the teaching words in this section. Verses 7 to 9. You may mark them in your Bible. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them upon the doorpost of your house, upon your gates. You know, there was a a religious group at the time of Jesus who took this literally. And they thought, okay, here's what we need. We need uh, uh, something. We need scripture on our arms so that people will know how religious we are. And what they had was little boxes with scripture that they would put on their on their hands and on their arms. And in fact, they would have a, a band that would go around the forehead with a little box with scripture on it to say, they're frontlets between my eyes. But they did this with all the wrong motives. It wasn't so that they could pull out the word of God and look at it and say, oh, yes, I see what God wants me to be. It was so that you could look at me and say, oh, what a religious guy. Whoa, he's got it all together. Look, he's so serious that he's even carried around a little box on his head so that people can see how religious he is. That's not the idea. The idea is God says, shepherds, you train your children. When it is that you're sitting in your house, what do you talk about? Faithful shepherds will talk about the word of God. When it is that you're walking by the way, when you're going from here to there, when we're going from here to town center, we might say, what do you talk about when you're driving in the car? You talk about the word of God. Where is the word of God in your home? It ought to be on your refrigerators. It ought to be on your bathroom mirrors. It ought to be on your smartphones. It ought to be on your tablets. It ought to be on your computer. The first thing that you see is we are a home that's built upon the word of God. We are unified in that purpose. And children, we want you to hold on to the Lord and we want you to hold fast to his commandments because that's what we're about. What happens when a question comes up? Mom, Dad, what does the Bible teach about dancing? Mom, Dad, what does the Bible teach about drinking? Mom, Dad, what does the Bible teach about modesty? Well, I don't know what the Bible says, but here's what we ought to do. I don't know what the Bible says, but you know what I think? You know, a lot of I thinks have gotten a whole lot of people in a whole lot of trouble. Instead of just telling them what the Bible says, you know what? I always find it better to sit down with an open Bible and show somebody what the Bible says about those things and about other things. Otherwise, it just becomes about me spouting a scripture and then may, them maybe no scripture and them spouting one back to me and then me spouting one, them, them spouting one. And nobody stop, everybody stops listening and you don't have an open Bible to say, this is what the Bible says. This is the word of God. This is the foundation for our home. And so a lot of homes have gotten confused as far as the message goes. And a lot of homes have gotten divided based upon the fact that we're not building and training our children to say, you know what? This is what God's word says on the subject. This is what we're going to respect as a home and a family. We want to be a people in a home that's unity, built upon unity. You know, children, we've got a word that usually refers to injections. We talk about inoculations. 
You know what that is? That's a lot of you may have gotten a flu shot. You were inoculated. They were given just a little bit, a tiny bit of the flu virus for the purpose of it's not an overwhelming amount, but that your body can build up the, the resistance to that little bit of virus so that when the real flu comes along, ideally what should happen is that you don't get the flu. When we talk about inoculation, that's what we're referring to here in verses seven through nine. A little bit here and a little bit there. A little bit of the Word of God, just in this instance, we're not trying to overwhelm these children. We're not trying to help them to, to, to make a doctoral dissertation on the Word of God, but we're teaching them in the small moments of life what's the idea so that it is that that grows over time. So that it is that it becomes greater over time. And children as little sponges about the world are curious and ask the questions, Why? Why did God make the birds like that? Daddy, why is it that we don't see the stars in the daytime? Daddy, why is it that the cheetah is the fastest land animal on earth? And as you're giving these answers and helping them to understand, isn't it wonderful, son, daughter, about the way that God has created the world? It's a powerful thing to know that there's nothing here that's by accident, as the world would teach. All of it is here with a grand purpose in mind. Number four, faithful shepherds will let thankfulness always be the rule of our home to always be on the lips. Verses 10 to 13 has to do with idolatry, has to do with forgetting the Lord your God. And so shall it be, verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land to which he swore your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, when which you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. What happens when our bellies are full with things we didn't eat? or we didn't uh, buy? What happens when our lives are full of material possessions that we didn't do anything to earn or merit in any way? Well, sometimes we get the thought that it's okay to grumble against those things. It's okay to complain against those things. And so you sit down at a nice dinner table. Mom spent a couple of, well, maybe an hour or so of slaving over the stove and making this delicious meal. And you sit down and somebody says, I don't like this. This is not my favorite. I don't want this. What else can I have? What else is there? Mom, I know we got some ho-hos there in the pantry. I want those instead of this. Oh, no. Back the truck up just a moment. Let's wait just a moment. Let's talk about this because these are blessings that you did not earn. These are blessings that you did not do anything to receive. And as you sit there at that table with that delicious food prepared, you know what ought to be on the lips is thankfulness. My kids are listening to Mary and Laura, Mary Ingalls Wilder, Laura Ingalls Wilder, uh, making, uh, writing her books, and we're listening to those on audio. And it's amazing to me that those girls, day in and day out, had rigorous chores to do, even from a very young age. And as they went through, and sometimes they only had rice to eat. Sometimes they, they barely had anything at all. But you don't read about those children doing anything else other than being thankful for what they had. Do we have reason to be thankful? We have th reason to be thankful for the money in our pocket that enables us to go down to the restaurant, even if it may not be our favorite. Thankfulness. 
Even if it is that we're living in a house that may be too small for our family and we want to try and grumble and complain against this old house, you know what? We can be thankful that we have a house. About that old car that just goes unkety, unkety, unkety as it drives down the road and makes a squealing noise whenever we turn on the air conditioner, we can be thankful about that because we can get from point A to point B. Brothers and sisters, our homes, parents, we ought to be training our children to be thankful in all circumstances because it's not their blessings that they earned. It's something that was given to them. And you know what the best thing to say whenever you're given something, even if it is that it may not be your favorite? Thank you. In everything, in everything, give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5. Number 5. Number five, make courageous trust in the Lord, our goal. Make courageous trust in the Lord, our goal. Verses 14 through 17, or 19 rather, are about idolatry. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. For the Lord is your God, a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth, you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God as testimonies and statutes which he's commanded you. And you shall do what's right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may go well with you and that you may go in and possess the land which the Lord swore you to your fathers to cast out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. Interesting. Idolatry became a problem for Israel. It was already a problem for Israel, at least on a small scale, as they left Egypt. But it really became a real problem for Israel when they forgot God because they began to look around at the other nations, began to look around at the gods that they served, and they started looking at it and saying, you know what, they're prospering. Maybe we ought to go and serve their gods. One particular incident he mentions is Massa. You can write the cross-reference, Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. Exodus 17, 1 through 7. There was no water. And the Bible says that the people tempted God, verse 7, saying, is the Lord among us or not? It's a question of trust. And if we're not trusting in the Lord and making courageous trust an aspect of our parenting as shepherds, then what's going to happen is, is that we're going to begin to worry. We're going to begin to have fear creep into our lives about, well, I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. I don't know how we're going to have our child in uh, this, this, this weekend, and this, this weekend, and this, this weekend. And I don't know how it is that we're going to make it as a family. And you know what? We have a tendency to internalize those things as parents. We begin to worry about those things so much so that they keep us up at night. We get the peptic ulcers and and we get the, the, the hair turning gray because we're worried about those things. We're scared for those things. You know what? And we begin to take those things out on our family members. If mom or dad are so preoccupied with this issue or this problem, you know, who's going to bear the brunt of that? What's going to happen is that's going to come out in some way. And that may come out in lashing out against spouse or accusing spouse of doing certain things that they may not have done. Or maybe just looking for one of the children just to do something wrong so that you can have a vent for your anger. And you know what? The kids pick up on those things, don't they? They know what's going on whenever mom or dad are troubled in mind and heart. Instead of that, instead of that, being a good shepherd may mean talking to our kids and saying, you know what? I'm sorry that I lashed out at you like that. Mom and dad are just kind of worried about this bill. Mom and dad are just kind of concerned about this payment. 
Sometimes it is that unexpected things come along in this life. And you know what? Even though we're worried about it, even though it may be that we're going to cause our fear to overwhelm us, we're not going to think about that. I tell you what, as a family, let's pray to God about this. And I want you children, I want you to know mom and dad are going to be praying about this, but I want you guys to pray about this as well. Because we know that God is going to take care of this. It's not going to be a question of, is God among us or not? It's going to be a measure of, we're going to faithfully trust in him, even if the bottom drops out. Number next. Faithful shepherding means we make our homes a place of remembrance. Make our homes a place of remembrance, verses 20 to 23. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What's the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed us signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his household. And then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us a land which he swore to our fathers. Moses says there's going to come a time when your sons are going to say, Dad, what's the meaning of all this? Why are we here? What's going on? Why is it that we're going and we're doing God's testimonies and his judgments and his statutes? Note the emphasis on the word of God. Everything that he commanded, you give them a good reason. You say, son, here's the deal. At one time, we were slaves in Egypt. We were under bitter hardship and persecution. And you know what we did? We cried out to the Lord. And you know what the Lord did? He heard us. And you know what? The only reason why we're sitting here with full bellies, with a vineyard outside, with, with crops that are growing, with a nice house that we didn't build, all those things back from verses 7 and following. He said the only reason for that is because the Lord has been faithful to us and therefore we are faithful to him. We're trying to serve him with all of our being. It's, it's a far cry from the answers we give sometimes. Mom, Dad, why do we go to church every Sunday? Mom, Dad, why do you serve Jesus? Why do you serve the Lord? Well, it's just what we've always done. Well, it's just tradition. Well, uh, you know, beats sleeping in on a Sunday. Well, I guess it just it beats, you know, hanging out on, on Sunday morning. Well, you know, it's, it's just what we do. You stop asking silly questions, son. I don't want to hear about those things. If that's all you got, you're not being a very good shepherd of the home. You're missing a grand opportunity to shepherd the children and say, listen, at one time, daddy and mommy were not very nice people. One time, daddy and mommy were dead in our sins and our trespasses, Ephesians 2. One time, daddy and mommy understood that, 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 uh, that life was more about more than just what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. Our lives were empty. Our lives were vain. But you know what? We looked into the Bible. We understood what the message of the gospel was, that God doesn't want that for us, that God desires to bless us and longs to give us his blessings. And the way that he's done that is through Jesus Christ and through belief in Jesus Christ's name and through uh, repentance of our sins and New Testament water baptism. We can have a brand new life created in Christ Jesus for good works, Galatians 2 and verse 10. And mommy and daddy understand the blessing of being in Jesus. And so because of that, we have no other place that we'd rather be than in worship on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. We would have no greater group of people to be with than the people of God. We would have no greater purpose than to live for him every single day. That's why. That's why. It's not just what we've always done. It's not just a matter of heritage or lineage, 
But if the gospel has made a difference in your life, like we talked about this morning in Bible class, then it ought to be something that translates to the lives of the people that you know. And they ought to understand the difference that Christ has made in your life. Last one. God wants our homes to be places that he blesses. And it ought to be the shepherds want to desire the blessing of God upon their homes. Note how Deuteronomy 6 ends. Verses 24 and 25. Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes. Again, note the emphasis on the word of God. To fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us. If we're careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God, that he has commanded us. You know, the book of Deuteronomy overall is a understanding that God desires to bless us more than anything else. That's all God has ever wanted to do for humanity. Do you realize that? Is that he wants to bestow his blessings upon all people. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. That means that the blessing of God is available for everybody. You know, and we look at the blessing of God and, and how it is that he wants to bless humanity. Brothers and sisters, his blessing is for those who are faithfully following him. His blessing is for those who are committed to his word and his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances. He doesn't command men idly. He doesn't say, let me see what hoop I can make uh, Jim jump through. Let me see what, uh, how it is that I can make these people do whatever it is I say. You know, God says that his word right here in verse 25 is for our good. His word is to keep us out of sin and out of trouble as much as humanly possible. And God wants that for us. But too often it is that we're looking around and saying, you know what? If we just had the blessing of this family over here, if we just had them looking at us and saying, wow, what a blessed family you are. You know, I think that's part of the reason why people post on social media and, and put the hashtag blessed. I understand that they appreciate those blessings, but why post that all together? So it is that people say, oh, yes, you are. You absolutely are blessed with those children, with that grandchildren, with whatever it is. Not saying there's anything wrong inherently with doing that, but understand, brothers and sisters, we're blessed even if we don't post on Facebook, as we may mention a few weeks ago. But what we're looking for more than anything else is for God to say, you know what, you may not have a lot of money. You know what? God's saying, you know what, you may not have the biggest house on the block. You may have a car that goes unkety, unkety, unkety as it drives down the road. You may not have the best job. You may not have the best of what this life has to offer. But you know what? You've got God. You've got his word. And you're faithfully trying to raise and rear your children in godliness. God says, you're blessed. How blessed you are. And isn't that what we ought to desire more than anything else? More than the blessing of our friends or our neighbors or People that say, wow, you're wearing all the latest brands or driving the nicest automobile or anything else. That's what being a faithful shepherd of the home means. And as we try and shepherd our children, you understand what a monumental task that is. But you also understand something about the grace of God. That even when we fail, even when we fall down as parents or grandparents or people that are trying to please God, it is a wonderful thing to know that we can always go to God and say, God, I haven't been living the way that I ought to as a husband, as a father, as a mother, as grandmother, grandfather, whatever it is, single parent, child, 
but God expects us to faithfully follow him. And that's what we're all about. Thank you so much for your attention this morning. Get out your songbooks and open up to the song David announced just a few moments ago. Brothers and sisters, we're committed to doing what the Lord says. We're committed to his word because it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. If it is that you've never come to know Jesus as the Bible reveals him, and it is that you're interested in doing just what the Bible says, we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to study with you and pray with you and pray for you and encourage you with pointing out book, chapter, and verse so that it is that we can be just what the Bible reveals us to be and what we need to be. Maybe it is that you're a Christian this morning and you haven't been following the way that you ought to. I encourage you to repent. It may be not only in asking God to say, listen, God, I haven't been the dad or the mom that I ought to be. And surely we can realize there's room for all of us for repentance. Maybe I haven't been the husband or the wife that I ought to be. And surely we can all see that there's room for repentance. And as we look at those things and ask God for forgiveness, you know what? Sometimes it ought to be that we sit down as parents, as faithful shepherds of the home and say, you know what? We haven't been the parents that we ought to be. Kids, we're sorry. We've been trying to point us in all sorts of different directions. But now from now on, we're going to give the answer of Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you need the prayers of the church, we'd love to do that with you at this time. Or if it is that we can encourage you in some way, won't you make it known as we stand and sing our invitation song?